Get out of here. Way back. He looks up. There's the cycle. You can put it on the board. Yes. A single, double, triple, and home run in one game. He is hit for the cycle. All right. All right. All right. Welcome back to the cycle. I am your host, Pat McGann, and I am solo this week. Um, so you got to put up with me. It's just me. I do want to jump in. We got some fan interaction, which I really appreciate. We love you guys reached out. We got a couple of emails here. I'm going to read this first email from Monica M. Monica says, hey, guys, I'm enjoying the podcast. The Chicago Sky interview was awkward at first, but then it was fun. Well, thank you. I feel the same way about this sentence <laughs> that kicks off the email here. The sentence was a little awkward at first, but at the end, it can't really came around. Thank you, Monica. That's very nice of you. Appreciate it. Uh, she uh, suggests a guest here. In fact, that's the subject of her email, future guest. I know you guys can't technically talk to Southpaw, but I've seen videos with people who are in charge of the mascot's appearances. It would be cool to get some stories from them. Um, no, I think it would, too. I think this is a great idea, Monica. I like it. Southpaw's fantastic. I actually saw Southpaw at a event at the Ronald McDonald House, and uh, kids light up when they see Southpaw, I'll tell you that. And uh, Southpaw is a hardworking mascot, not just here at the ballpark, but doing appearances everywhere, and we should find out where Southpaw is going. That is a good idea, Monica, and uh, we appreciate your email. And as promised, we will read these emails if you guys send it. So uh, the email is thecycle at shysocks.com. Got another one here from Brian Meehan. Hey, guys, loved the Sandwich King episode. Quick question, though, were you guys drunk? Um, you know, that that is, I know what you're talking about, Brian. We were doing the uh, Skype interview with uh, Jeff Morrow, right? And um, there's like a delay when you're listening, and it like it, it's like a mind, it messes up with your head. It's... I almost said something else there, but you are like hearing yourself and there's a delay and it just slows down your speech for some reason. And Kevin and I were both struggling with it. And I think that's what you heard there. So we were not drunk. Great question though. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time. I love, finally we're getting people emails. He's like, man, I wonder if those guys were wasted. I know. I'll just send a, an email there to the shy, cycle at shysocks.com. Uh, so anyway, those are a couple emails. Wanted to share those with you. Make um, don't be afraid to reach out. We we love to uh, interact with you guys. Um, we actually might be doing more interacting with you soon. Uh, we're gonna be doing some streaming of the podcast, Facebook Live. How about that? Can't wait to be on Facebook Live. That's another TV credit for me. Um, we're gonna be streaming, and uh, I don't know if you guys have uh, seen that in your Facebook feed. A lot of people do Facebook Live things, and you can interact. You just click on it. And you can throw some questions in. We'll be doing interviews. You guys can jump in. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, all right. This episode is uh, a lot of fun, I believe. I, I really like it. We had Gene Honda and Rich King. Gene Honda, of course, is the public address announcer here at U.S. Cellular Field. He also works with the Blackhawks. He does hockey, uh, college hockey. He does college basketball. He does DePaul home games. He does uh, tournaments all over the, the country, the Maui Invitational being one. He does the Final Four, has been doing that for about 16 years, I think he said, somewhere around then. He's been doing it a while. And uh, he also is a personality that you might know from WTTW. So he's all over Chicago. He's been with the White Sox for quite a while, since 1985, actually. 
so he was a lot of fun to sit down and talk with. And then Rich King, you guys know Rich King from WGN. He's a sportscaster. He's retiring. So we wanted to get him on the podcast before he left Chicago. He's um, a legend here in the city. He was on CBS for about 20 years. He did TV and radio there, and uh, I think the last 24-plus years, and he did a few things in between there. total of 48 years on air, uh, but he's been with WGN for those the last big piece of his career, and uh, you guys know him. He does a lot of the pregame stuff on WGN and a great relationship with the White Sox, so it was nice to chat with him. His last broadcast is going to be June 23rd. It's not, they're going to be on the road. I think they're going to be in Boston, um, but anyway. Good episode, I think. I like it. We got a Honda. We got a King. It's like Tyson's Punch-Out. They have a Honda and a King in there, don't they? King Hippo and Piston Honda. I don't know why I just thought of that, but it's uh, it's true. All right, we'll get into this episode. Uh, make sure you guys are subscribing to the podcast. Ran into a bunch of people at the Sox game on Friday. People were asking about it. You just go right there on iTunes. You can subscribe. Make sure you uh, share it on Twitter. Share it with your friends. We really appreciate it. And again, I'll remind you, shoot us some emails, some ideas, questions, the cycle at shysocks.com. All right, enjoy this episode. Gene Honda and Rich King. All right, very excited to have joining me our guest, and you are going to enjoy this interview because he's got a tremendous voice. Great pipes on this guy. The White Sox public address announcer, Gene Honda. But it only sounds good if I have something to read. I have no mind of my own. So unless you <laughs> give me paper with legible writing in front of me, we're in trouble. You can't go off cuff at all, off script? No, never have. We were just talking <laughs> about that. You do it all the time at PBS, at WTTW. In context, I guess you can get away with it. Yeah, if you I've do that. I've done my homework. Which happens sometimes. I mean, you have more jobs than anyone in this building. Poverty is a great motivator. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Let's talk about what you what you do. All right. Okay. Beyond beyond the White Sox. Okay. M- most people listening to this will probably know you as the public address announcer, um, but you also you do PA work for the Blackhawks. For the Blackhawks, for DePaul men's basketball, for a lot of other college basketball events like the Final Four. Uh, the Maui Invitational, the Big Ten Tournament. Whoever invites me. I'm The Maui Invitational, you get to do that? Yeah, I get. I spend Thanksgiving in Maui. It's a wonderful event, uh, but I go there, put on a Hawaiian shirt, get five minutes of sun, and people think I'm a local. Yeah. And that, that creates a lot of problems. When they ask for directions, I, <laughs> there might be still a couple of newlywed couples wandering around the island of Maui going, he told me to turn left at the volcano. <laughs> I was just in Hawaii for the first time. Where'd you go? I went to the Big Island, Kona. Okay. I was just there for a gig. I was there, unfortunately, just for three nights. But uh, that's a long trip for three nights. I know. Day. I know. It was, uh, and I was by myself too. So it's not like you get to really enjoy it. So have you have you like trolled around, checked out a little a lot of bit? The- I mean, because it's a tournament, and because we actually do twelve games in three days. Uh, once the tournament's over, there's not a lot you want to do. I have declared an unofficial holiday in Kaanapali. Uh, as soon as the tournament's over, it's called Fat Man at the Pool Weekend. <laughs> Rum drinks mandatory. Yeah. And it's a wonderful time. It really is. It's a small celebration, but it's fun. Well, you de- you deserve it, man. You go right from this, the baseball season into... With any into, luck at all. Hell. I mean, then it overlaps, too, because I've been here for opening More day. More with any luck at all. I've, yeah. been, I've been here for opening day sometimes, and you're not here because you're doing... The, the Final Four. The Final Four. Yeah. yeah. If, if you're lucky, things like that happen. And, and the nicest thing was... 
the first year that I got approached to do the Final Four, uh, there was going to be a conflict with White Sox opening day. And I went to the authorities here, and I said, here's what I have. And their answer was, Gene, we hope you get to do the Final Four for many years to come. But right now, you need to be there. You need to miss the opening day. Good luck. So they're very, very gracious about that. Oh, that's great. Wait, and how long have you been doing it? I've done 14 Final Fours now. 14? Mm-hmm. Consecutive? Yep. From, and you went to U of I, so you were there for the U of I? I was there, you know, you talk about not expecting anything to happen. 2005, here comes Illinois to the Final Four in St. Louis. And that was fun. I'm sure it was, yeah. That was a ton of fun. And this year was insane. Every the, year. The is. final game was. The three games that you get for the Final Four, there is always going to be one clunker and one memorable game. It's yeah. just the same thing every year. It just so happened this year, and people said, well, you got two clunkers. No, we didn't. If we don't get those two semifinal games – you don't get that one championship game that was pretty memorable. Right. Yeah, true. Do you interact with a lot of the players there or coaches? No, or? coaches once in a while. But, look, when you're a coach of the Final Four, you're a little busy. Yeah. And you better honor you that. You're down <laughs> some film. You don't even oh, know who you're playing. You, know, you, you don't even want to mess with them. And so you just do your job. And if you run into one of them later, that's fine. Oh. But so you, wouldn't, you don't think of yourself as primarily White Sox public dress announcer or Blackhawks public? No, no, freelance announcer. Because yeah. – uh, if you're lucky, and are there I, any other public been. address announcers in Chicago? Like you got every. Oh, gig. stop that! Sure, there's plenty of others. Who? And uh, luckily, the guy at Wrigley. That's lu- about it. No, luckily, I over time you get to know all of them. Yeah. Uh, so you I know Jim Rayban who does the Bears game. Tommy Edwards actually gave me some great advice back when I was starting out. So he he does used the to Bulls be with games. the Bulls. Yeah, still or he still is, is with, with the Bulls. He's yeah. back with the Bulls. Back with them. And uh, Andrew Bellison, who does the Cubs game. Uh, when he got hired, the first thing they said is, you might want to call Gene, just you know, yeah. ask him for some advice. What funny. happened to Ray Clay? Ray's still working out of UIC. He still does UIC Flames games. And uh, he actually got to go back and do a game at the United Center last year when UIC played Illinois. Okay. So, Man, so I just can't believe how busy you are. And you do, uh, you do college hockey too, right? No, not anymore. No, uh, I haven't done college hockey really. My, I got in about... 25, 30 years. Well, this is I what, coached there. This is why I, do, I had to try overtrust Wikipedia all the time. Oh, I, I got to hear what this says. It says here that, well, you have done it, right? I've done college hockey, but that was years ago. The yeah. Frozen Four? Oh, I did the Frozen Four. That was one year. That was a beautiful year in Tampa. And if I behave myself, uh, I get to do the next Frozen Four, which will be here at the United Center. <laughs> I love that it's Frozen Four. Isn't that a great name? Yeah. Is that the one where uh, Anna is killed by the Russian and then... Elsa I, you know, fights the num- him. The number of Pixar films I've seen, I can count on one hand. Frozen Four. You know that's coming out in like 15 years. And you've done the All-Star game. So this is what Wikipedia told me. You're the only guy who has done the MLB World Series, done Major League Baseball All-Star game, Yep. the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, yep. the NCAA Final Four, as we discussed, yep. and as your shirt shows us, Oops. and the NCAA Frozen Four. And a world class marathon, which luckily this city gets to host. Yeah, you did that. You do it here. Yeah. And what do you have to do for that? I usually do the. You announce like as every runner comes across. There comes another guy. No, the nice forty thousand of them. In order to put on an event with thirty thousand people, it takes a lot of sponsorships. Yeah. So what you're doing at the start stage is doing a lot of sponsor reads, but you're also doing a lot of informational things uh, to be able to help the runners where to line up, where to drop off your 
materials, your extra clothing. And uh, unfortunately, because of the weather, we have to do some other announcements for the safety of the runners. So we take care of all that at the start stage. Yeah. And then for a while there, I used to do the finish line, too, where you try to announce every runner that comes across. And that's kind of fun. For you. That's the fun for you. It's that fun for be, me. It's, it's fun for them. That sounds hopefully. difficult. You know, the first year I did the marathon, I did both the start and finish line. When I went to the you start ran it, line, you mean, no, you mean, no, <laughs> no, no, no. It sounds like you said You know those you skimpy little outfits <laughs> the marathoners wear? There's no place to put your cigarettes in those darn things. <laughs> I don't know why. Are you a smoker? You want to go? <laughs> do you we think that's time. contributed to your we voice? That and, and, and mid-level, uh, mid-level quality scotch, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So that if you're listening, you, you, you want to get into this public yeah. address under game, yeah. which is very hard to do. Um, you, the, the additional work you have to do is you don't have to just talk. You have to smoke and drink. <laughs> Isn't that a shame? And talk. Dude, you have it figured out, man. You have. No, it's scary because I say that, and, and I, I think back to when you were in the fifth or sixth grade. Drinking and scotch. And they ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and if you say, I'm an, I'd like to be an announcer, then they say, oh, that's fine. Uh, but when you think about it, if you say, well, I want to be able to uh, smoke cigarettes and drink scotch for a living, that may, <laughs> that may send you to the counselor's office. When did, if, you, when did you, you start doing public address announcing? How did you figure, like, someone's, did was, someone say to I you? Got, no, hey. I got asked to do it when I was still at U of I in Champaign. I was working for a real radio station there, and I say that because uh, I, I was fortunate enough to get my start at the college station there, yeah. which is a really good program. But I was working But it's for, not real. It's it's actually a really it is, it is they're they're very rare in college radio. Oh, land. so you're okay. I hear what you're saying. Uh, it's a full three thousand watt FM station down there with yeah. commercials, with news, everything. But I was working for another station, and they said, "Listen, we need someone to do PA for a couple of games for us for basketball. Would you be interested?" Okay. And then I didn't think twice about it. Then in '85, I applied for the job here, and. Next thing you know, you're considered a PA announcer. So that's when you started here in 1985. 1985. Which was also Ozzie Guillen's rookie year, I believe. As a player. As a player. Yep. And I remember him, there was kind of discussion on how to pronounce his last name at the time. Yep. Did you you immediately, were you saying, how how were you announcing him in 85? All right. According to the White Sox media guide, which still had a pronunciation guide in it, they don't anymore, by the way. His name was pronounced Guillen. Right, I kind of remember that, Guillen. And so we did. And there were a lot of Southsiders like, this guy Gillen yeah, well, is good. About three weeks into the season, we get told by people here, no, we're going with Guillen because people will Did you guys consult Ozzy at all about this? Apparently not. They also didn't. <laughs> hey, guys, yeah. we're going to go with Guillen. Who because, said? Oh, is it Ozzy say that? They didn't no, also consult someone we else. We had a meeting. Because during those three weeks of the start of the season, NBC did a game of the week here. Bob Costas called the game. And oh, Bob's yeah. very diligent. That's why to this very day, he still calls him. Guijen? Yes, sir. He still does? Yep. Oh, that's arrogant. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's maybe so Bob Costas doesn't listen a little to this too podcast. accurate. You don't have to be very political. <laughs> no, it's, it's, but it, it, it reinforces my position there, Pat. <laughs> so, but you said Guillen. What were some names through the years that you had? Did you ever have a player come correct you? No, because if you do your homework and there's enough media guides out there, you can usually find the right answer. Yeah. It'd it's be fun. great if it was a guy that was like had an easy name. Like it's, well, it's, it's funny. Don when play, Paul. When he played for Don Cleveland. Don Paul, Gene. Uh, everyone called him Jim Tomei. Jim Tomei. Tomei. 
as in Mel Bel Torme. Right. Turns out, and I I got to ask him, how do you pronounce your last name? It's Tomey. So, so I went from Tomey to Tomey. Subtle, but it makes a difference, right? Yeah. I heard this the other day um, on one of the broadcasts. Alex Avila Mm -hmm. is really Avila. Probably. His dad goes by that, Avila. Yep. And I think Jason Benetti approached him and said, how, what, do you, oh. what do you want me to say? And what he said, well, say? everyone, all my friends always said Avila. It's just easier. Do Avila. And I just feel like, wow, it's hilarious almost because it's like, don't you want your name? I would, right? And I, I, you, like, I respect that. If, if a player were to say, hey, my name's actually pronounced this way, then that's the way it's going to be. But it's never happened because no. you're a pro. No, I have a lot of help. <laughs> What's been the, what are some of the difficult names through the years? Visiting or uh, White Sox or hockey, man. Doing hockey has got to be. Hockey's a ton of fun. It's yeah. a ton of fun. Hockey's a ton of fun that <laughs> way, yeah. If you don't do your homework in advance of a hockey game, uh, it'll show. I, I, I wish I could say there was one that was tough. It's just if you've done the research, if you do your, your, your homework, it's fine. If what, not, that's when disaster happens. What was your favorite name to say over the years? Oh, dear. I don't know. What's the most requested that... Well, everyone says Frank Thomas, of course. Yeah. But it's just the way it happens. I, li- I liked how you said Ray Durham. Really? Why? Because you hit that H in Durham. And I don't think a lot of people usually did well, when they said it. You used to you. say no. Ray Durham. 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 Like a U-M. You say it. Ray Durham. Okay. That's yeah. pretty good. You nailed it. <laughs> I, I, I'd forgotten that after all the years. See, the funny thing is... Part of the reason I got in, into radio in the first place was for a really bad reason. Why is I that? had very bad diction, and I spoke too fast. Yeah. And so you thought, I'm going to correct it by... All I wanted to do was to go work at the college station, get that fixed, and then be able to move on. There's a lot of things you could do with a good voice, though, right? I mean, Well, my father was the one who always said, uh, no matter what you decide to do for a living... If you can expand on your ability to speak in public, you'll be a better professional than someone else. Yeah. And he's still right today. So that was the original intent. Uh, just some bad things happened along the way. People There's a lot of 900 numbers this. that were popular back then, too. Not then. You could have gone down that era. road. No, not in the 80s. No, no. We, we, we barely had the, you know, we, we, remember we had KTEL commercials back then. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that was the extent of what we had. Was there... <laughs> Was there a time, though, when you were like, you could have gone another way in, in, in voice work? Or did you know all of a sudden this started to snowball with, with I did sports? Leave. I left for a while. You did? Uh, about six months. Uh, I took a job with a marketing firm here in Chicago. And it was a, a great we'll talk deal about cigarettes and scotch. Well, oh, you forgot one other vice. It was for the Playboy channel. Oh, was it? <laughs> yes, it was. At least Gene, I thought. I did not know you were this cool, man. We have got to start I, I, hanging out. I wasn't, out. apparently, because the reason they, see, I thought it was going to work see, for the Playboy channel. See, I have these loser channel. co-hosts that can oh, show up today. And I, I no, but you're I, a smoker, you drink scotch, you got connections with Playboy. No, Dude, not You're the that new was, co-host. That was years ago. You got ago. a better voice, too. That was years ago. It turns out the real reason I got hired is because they picked up this other channel that they needed some help with called Sports Vision. Oh, okay. Wah, wah. Yeah. And next thing you know, <laughs> yeah, here, that was the trap. Yeah, it was so, the trap. <laughs> I walked from one trap into another. Do you have a pregame ritual to get your voice loose or no. get it? No. No. Nothing. Just talk. You ever lose your voice? Oh, yeah. I've, I've, gotten, I've gotten sick. You know, a sore throat is, is rather tragic. 
what's your trick? I mean, we had um, Johnny Resnick from Google Dolls on here. He was big on like doing um, voice like exercises. You know, like, I, just, you know, the funny thing is, is what I tell other PA announcers too is just talk. And if you do that, you're you don't have to practice. You don't have to worry about anything. You just talk. Just talk to people. Talk to yeah. Yeah. Do you have a better voice than Jason Benetti? Oh, I don't think so. I like the way he does a game. I, I like the way he does a game, too. I'm talking about voice. I don't think I have a better voice than anyone. Look, like, I would I love still, to see the two of you have a conversation. God forbid that James Earl be- Jones leaves this world. But when he does, I would like his voice. Do you do any impressions? No. No, I'm lucky I can do English. No. <laughs> that, it, impre- that you and, speak and from my early language? days in radio, that was an impression. Do you speak any other languages? Uh, no, uh, I speak enough Japanese to get fed and slapped. That drove my mother nuts. Can you uh, say now batting Frank Thomas in Japanese? I'm lucky I can say that in English too. No, no, no. my Japanese uh, is so bad that I just refuse to even speak. I bet it's better and, than mine. So you were asking about hard names to pronounce. Those are the ones that scare me the most because someone somewhere will say, well, he should be able to say that name or he should know how to pronounce that name. But no, he doesn't know how to pronounce that name. <laughs> Well, Salta, uh, the catcher that's in town now, Salta Lamakia or whatever. Salta Lamakia is not really that's, Japanese. It's just no, long. it's not Japanese. No, I'm saying. Oh, okay. okay. And God, I, 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 was I looked at him. I didn't names. think he looked Japanese. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hard to say. I thought you were talking about names in hard general. Hard to tell when he wears the mask. I just went and checked my notes while you were oh, saying that. Oh, okay. So I got to work on my listening skills. I'm talking about names in general. Oh. Okay. Just difficult names. Okay. No. You've never been like, oh, man. Like, come on. With the Blackhawks, you've never been like, all right, somebody tell me how to say this. No, but where you usually get burned is if you see a name spelled in a conventional way and it's not pronounced in a conventional way, now you've got a problem. Give me an example. Sure. How do you say T-O-E-W-S? Um, Taze. Well, yeah. He's not Japanese. No, but when what are you, you talking about? Common spellings are the ones that <laughs> yeah. burn you. Taze, right? Right. And all of a sudden, it looks really nice and simple, but uh-oh. And you've never stumbled. Luckily, no. If you practice the names. I'm not going to get burned on the names. I'm going to get burned on the script. That's yeah. right. <laughs> well, I've given you a like script. warming up in the uh-oh, bullpen. And that's right. <laughs> so I gave you a script here. Yeah. Um, some things that, you know, just some random announcements that we'd love to hear in Gene Honda voice. You mind giving him a shot? You mean like... Well, the first one's serious. First one's serious. We well, can do that one later. Is it? We can do that one later. By the way, it's a short penalty for, for this next one. In the penalty box, Ed Farmer, five minutes for talking. <laughs> should be a 10-minute major. <laughs> it should be, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> All right, how about that next one there? Blackhawks goal, scored by Patrick Kane. Assist is something you should get looked at by a doctor. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, you spell keep it differently, going. though. The I doc- know. I should have. You're well, right. I, I should have given you the phonetic. He spelled it differently. Maybe that's why he charged more for it. Uh, we'll just give you some random, oh. more random ones. Now batting the second baseman, Winston Churchill. <laughs> and a cigar. <laughs> Exciting. Joining me now is uh, Chicago legend. You guys have been a uh, voice and face on television uh, covering sports, all sports, for 48 years. Um, I'm happy to join to the cycle Rich King. 
Rich, how are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. 48 years. 48 years. You hear this, everyone says it, it's cliche, but come on, really? You don't even look... Well, you don't look like you're ready to I retire. I began when I was about five. Yeah. And I got an internship at WGN at the age of five, and it just took off after that, let's face it. I mean, Are you from Chicago area? I was born in Pilsen, okay. 18th and Racine, uh, De La Salle High School, UIC. Oh, you're all never, Chicago. I never left Chicago. Never left Chicago. Are you going to leave now? We're gonna, well, we're, we're going to go to Indiana. We're going to have a place here, too. Is eventually. that you've had your eye on? For 48 years, you know, you're like, I'm well, done with this. No, no. I got to, I'm going to Indiana. No, my, my, my wife's behind this, although I'm behind it too, you know. So we, uh, we, we yeah, she, uh, she's a horseback rider. Okay. And let's face it. Once, well, you know, in Chicago, you're a horseback rider, the, you go to Indiana. I come from, when I grew up, Pat, there was no grass on the streets. There were just concrete. So out there, it's beautiful. It's trees, grass, yeah. horses. And it's a little bit different in Chicago. So That's awesome. we're going to compromise. We're going to spend it. We're not, we're not going to winter there. We're going to winter somewhere else. We already have a place in Texas. And we're going to maybe down the road get a place here in Chicago. If Chicago's in my blood, you know, and we it's only 50 minutes away. You know, Chesterton, Indiana is 50 minutes from Chicago. So yeah. we're close. Now, your relationship with the White Sox has been, uh, you know, ongoing. And you've been doing pregames. I mean, oh, I, great. I was on your thing once. I'm, I'm like turning the tables on you now. <laughs> Um, what are some of the m- moments that stand out covering the White Sox? You know, it's funny. I walked through these halls here at the ballpark, and I saw pictures of the bus. Uh, I was on the first bus in 05, oh, really? uh, and I was with Reinsdorf and uh, Mayor Daly, Conerco, Ozzie, Kenny. The top – All was, those guys it, it was, are pretty it was much a, retired now. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, ah, i got to join my cronies. It was a top bus, and I, it was – you know, for me – and I grew up, obviously, a White Sox fan, living as close as I did to the ballpark – and for me to be in that at time, it really was surreal because I never thought I'd wind up there. Here are the White Sox won the first since 1917. Right. I'm on the bus with the owner and the mayor, and, and I grew up with Richard J. Daly was mayor. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it, it was quite – and I mean, my, my first wife had just died. It was, it was just kind of an emotional uh, scenario for me, but I loved every minute of it, the sea of people, and it was, it was something to behold. It was a happy, one of the happiest moments of my career, the happiest, obviously. I still can't get over the amount of people. Oh, I mean, I remember when the Bears won, I was young, but, yeah. I, but I do remember the, the masses of people and how yeah. cold it was, right. and you know, that even made it more special. But the, the White Sox parade was, well, this was... This was a 50-degree day, sunny, people out downtown working, coming yep. out at lunchtime. It was... It was phenomenal. I couldn't believe it. I've been on two Blackhawk buses, and they're about the same. The crowds are about the same. But uh, the White Sox thing was special to me because of where I, where I grew up. And it was special, too, because it was baseball. Oh, and baseball no being as storied as it is and, you know, in Chicago and one of the oldest franchises. Yeah, yeah it was a special year. How about um, any, like, ridiculous moments, funny moments, guys that uh, were fun to interview? Well, you know, the, 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 the guy who was – the guy who was fun interview. It was not. It was not fun, but it was kind of entertaining. Was Herman Franks? He was an old manager. I don't know if anybody in this room yeah. remembers him, but he was a he was a former Giant who became a Cub manager back in the seventies, and he was the most surly individual. <laughs> I'll tell you how bad it was. You would walk in after the game, and you did not dare ask a question. Even the veteran writers, Dave Nightingale and the rest of those guys who have been around for years, were afraid to ask a question because they could get your head chewed off at the first. Even if they won. 
Yeah. If they lost, forget it. So we spent like first five minutes staring at each other and looking at Frank's to be eating hot dogs and uh, Frank's eating yeah, Frank's. Her, yeah, Herman Frank's, and and then Dave Kingman was also around at the same time. Oh yeah, he was and a Mr. Kingman Personality. Was, he right? would stare you down, throw a squirt gun in your butt when you're interviewing somebody. So it was uh, it was quite a quite a group back then. Uh, but there's a lot, a lot of characters. I mean, I was friends with Tony LaRusso when he started managing. Taught me a lot about the game of baseball. Uh, I met so many you know, covering Jordan and Peyton. I mean, my career, I've been lucky because I've covered all these great athletes and had a chance to be talk to them actually on and off the record. And some of these guys are magnetic. They have oh. great personalities. They're larger than life. So it's got to be hard to like, as someone in you know journalism, covering sports, to like walk that line. Right. And, you know, sometimes you do. Find yourself well, you, having a drink, or you have to be. You have to be fair. I, I, my philosophy was always to be fair. I never ripped guys. I, I criticized guys, and, I, and when they made a bad play, obviously over that bad game, it's obvious. But I never went out of my way to rip guys personally. I think that's what, what uh, you gain a respect. And Walter Payton and I had a good relationship. Michael Jordan, before he went to baseball, yeah. was was you know off the record, and and the Russa, the rest of them, Jerry Reinsdorf. You play golf a lot, these guys. You golf? I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't think I golf with any of them. <laughs> yeah. I saw Peyton golf. I never, yeah. I never, he's a, hits the ball a mile. Uh, not with Jordan, but but after Michael came back from from baseball, uh, he was cha- he was a changed man with the media. Anyway, he he went more distant. He had a posse around him, and he was, it was harder to get to him. Before he left, when he played baseball in Sarasota, we were down there in the locker room talking about WGN, asking me how how are things going. But I think that that criticism he got, Pat, from all the media about. Just be spoiling the game of baseball. What's he doing? Right. Trying to play two games. That kind of soured him in the media because he's very cooperative before that. After that, he was less cooperative. He's still a great guy, though. I mean, no question about it. So there's been changes in the media now with social media and things. Um, you know, guys can kind of control their own message and right. teams have their own right. writers and websites. Do you think that um, what, what's been the most frustrating thing change-wise? Well, for- the, the whole business has changed. Somebody asked me this. Are you going to write a book about young reporters, how they can – in the business, how they could operate. And I said, you know what? Anything I write would be obsolete. When I came up, we, we de- developed stories. I had sources. We had a big book, uh, Tom Sher and I at BBM. We had a huge book of sources. We dug out a bunch of stories. Dallas Green's re- resigning, uh, uh, baseball settlements, labor's disputes, uh, uh, Rick Sutcliffe signing. All these things were developed by sources. Yeah. And nowadays your source is the, is the social media. So there's, it's very hard to break a story. I'm, guys still do. But most of the guys tweet their own stories out. If something happens, you'll see it. And even the newspaper guys, if they have a story on the evening about something, they'll put it on the Internet. We pick it up in TV. Yeah. In the old days, you'd read it in the paper in the morning and say, well, how, how do we miss that one? But nowadays, you pick it up at 8 o'clock the night before, you can put it on the air. So it's a whole different bag. And you guys were huge celebrities, too, in the 80s, like covering, you know, you, Johnny Morris, no, Gene Greco. No question. Like those are all household names. They, and- yeah, well, the audience disintegrated i mean it, it gotten the, you had a rating point every year you lost and now you're losing a, you're still losing it there's so many the social media has killed us and and the, the proliferation of stations you know it's cable tv you got what four or five hundred stations so you're going to actually going to have a dissolution of the of the impact like so you're getting out at a good time man you just gonna walk out there later suckers well, no, well <laughs> I, I, it, it is a good time because not that it's, it's a bad business now because you still do your thing no, but, I know what you're saying. But, Thomas but, Sulo, those guys are all eating the, it now. Also, the thing that the, the money's not the same. It won't be the same ever. Yeah, right. Because that back then you had, you know, three or four stations, and man, you you were rolling in dough. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's fantastic that uh, you grew up here and that you got to got to do this. This was your life, 48 years, and you know you, you saw just about every team 
win a championship. There's something special about the Bears Super Bowl as well, though, right? I was there eight days, yeah, and it was great. I worked constantly, like 16-hour days. But that was a special deal. Those 85 Bears were special guys. And I know April met them a couple of times, and, and they were hugging her and hugging me. And they, they, they're genuine You allowed guys. that? I love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, she, just, she doesn't mind. No, she, just, she was happy about it. I would have kept know, her away from, like, about, McMichael. You didn't let McMichael touch her, did you? <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> if you analyze where I came from, I mean, yeah. I grew up in a working-class neighborhood. Uh, my father was a truck driver, laborer, uh, and, you know, I, you, you could have – the odds were a jillion to one of me establishing anything. I was been happy to have been a, a writer. And sure. I heard I wind up on the air, wind up at two great stations at the, in the heyday of, of TV journalism. So I've been a very, very lucky man. And I, I you know, and it's, it's funny, as the years go on, and, and you guys are too young to know this, but you all the negatives filter out. So at the end of your career, you're thinking, man, all these great things, you forget – yeah, you forget right. the long hours. You forget the misery. You forget all this stuff. That Tell us about some miserable moments. So I'll I'll prod for those. Well, the hours. Tell me about some ask, horrible. Ask April, tell me the horrible it, side of this. It's a long. It's a hard business for hours. You you give up a lot of your. You, know, well, you said you had a morning shift for a while. Morning shift at two a.m. in the morning, which you know, Pat Samasula does now on GN. Uh, you give up a lot of your family life. There's no the weekends are gone. Uh, parties. You give up your friends. You don't see them as often as you'd like. And in fact, I don't see my friend. I haven't seen my friends at all over the years. So. It, we're still friends, so I guess. So, so it, it, it worked out. But it's a hard, long hours, and, and that's, that's the negative of the business. Everything else is a positive. I mean, it's a dream come true, let's yeah. face it. Well, that happens, I think, when you're doing something you're passionate about. you kind of you got to dive in, and there's a lot I think of that, a lot And that that's my to. only advice if somebody's young person is listening right now. When you go into a career, and I tell younger reporters, you, you better know your – got to know your stuff. you got to feel free to dig into it. You know, I was telling the reporter the other day, I said, I, when I do a pregame show, I have a page and a half of notes. Yeah. Now, those notes you may not need because some of that stuff is scripted and there's features. But there may be a time when the, the interview bails out and you've got three minutes to fill or four minutes to fill. You better know, have something to go with that's interesting that'll keep the audience. Yeah, that's, I've so seen I, that, yeah. you know, in shows when, you know, a guest might bail earlier and have nothing to say or... Yeah, you yeah, can, you you can BS your way out of it, but it's not, this, this, yeah. sp- like, it's not the same as having stretch. solid information to go with. So I go in every show prepared and I go in every show thinking I'm going to need the information. If I don't, I don't. I got that to the White Sox radio in 80 and 81 with Harry, Jimmy, and Joe McConnell. And Joe McConnell was my main partner. And he taught me, he says, you better have a lot of notes. He says, you may not need a half of them during the game, but if there's a rain delay or whatever, and you're talking up there, you better know your stuff. And I, that's, that's my copy. Joe McConnell and, and Brad Palmer, they taught me that early in my career. Know your stuff. And I say, if you're a young reporter out there, know your stuff. You can't try to fake it because the fans will catch it. Yeah. The fans will catch it. Oh, especially here in this town. Oh, yeah. They'll get out. They're rabid. Yep. They, they're knowledgeable yep. fans. So um, who's been, as a, we'll talk White Sox now for a minute, who's been your favorite guy to cover? On the White Sox? On the White Sox. Well, by far La Russa because he and I were together in the early days. He, he came in here, Bill Vec hired him, and, and we hung, hung around. I, play, I played racquetball against Tony La Russa. Now, there's another thing. Athletes, right? You think, yeah. They, you know, I was a greater racquetball player. I, I thought I was, right? I, I was. Racquetball's a, I was I've never really played. I was, I was workout, hot. Right? I could rip, rip everything in. Well, I played Larusa, and I thought I, I'm going to hang in there with him. I lost, I think, 21 to two. I mean, these these guys are so far above us in terms of athletic ability. But in terms of uh, covering a guy, 
he taught me, he was like five or six moves ahead of anybody else. Smart guy, right? He had a law degree. He had pinch hitters lined up and pitchers lined up, and and his lineups were based back before the sabermetrics. He was, I think, he was the first sabermetrics guy because he had all these stats about lefties, righties. Was not as 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 sophisticated as is now, but for him, it was at the time, and he was into it all the way. He you could, he was basically night and day, night and day. He was figuring out a way to win, and that's what his old job. Great guy, great you know, his family man and everything. But he really was into the game. How about a difficult person? It doesn't have to be White Sox related. Just a difficult. I mentioned I mentioned the two with with Franks and, and, and Kingman. Bobby Mercer was tough. I mean, uh, Barry Bonds, forget it. You, if you had no chance with Barry Bonds, he would oh, just yeah, scowl you Kittle's down. Oh, yeah, Ron Kittle's got a great Yeah, And Bonds now he regressed. You see, he apologized. He said, I wish I'd have been better as a player. Steve <laughs> Carlton wouldn't talk to you. <laughs> Steve he, Carlton would not talk to you. Not huh? talk at all. And, uh, you know, uh, Mike, uh, Keenan, the co- Mike Keenan, the coach of the Black uh, Blackhawks, he was hot and cold. He would – and even Ditka. I mean, Mike was – I mean, he, he, I got along with Mike great, but he, if you – that's the wrong question, rubbing the wrong way. He, and once he once he got on his on his case, he never let it go for an hour. Or so he got in your case for a while. There was so, a great there's a great YouTube clip out there. Johnny Morris. Oh yeah, and I, I was there that day. You yeah. were there. Yeah, I was there. Johnny <laughs> Ditka Ditka did two shows. He did the uh, show after the game, and he did a show later in the evening. Mm-hmm. And they I think they must have lost the game as years go by. But he, the funny part about that whole thing was Jean, Jeannie Morris was there, we're all, and, and Dick didn't want to go on after the game. And that, that show had like a, a big rating, a 36 rating. Yeah. You know. Oh, so, and those guys were buddies, so, right? So they Johnny, Johnny and Dick got this horrific argument right before the show. And you're going on. I don't care. You're going on. You're contracted to go on. You're going on. And Dick, I'm not going on. It's BS. <laughs> well, he was standing there. Ditka had his... Coat, uh, tie and shirt on and and socks. He had no pants. He did the whole <laughs> argument with no pants on. And and he sat down. You couldn't tell on TV. And he did the show. Right. But he he was and this in a cigar. I mean, it was it was the most hilarious scene. Here's these two old players arguing. Yeah. But Johnny and Johnny was the only guy. I just talked to Johnny the other day. He's the only guy who could stand up to Ditka. Yeah. And, and Ditka would take it. He would because they were teammates. Oh, and he had, Johnny asked honest questions. He. He put him on the spot, and 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 he said, "You're asking these questions because the fans want to know." Johnny was a, Johnny was a great journalist, he really was. And you just talked to him the other day, huh? Yeah, he's out in the Barrington. He's he's uh, at my party. He couldn't make it because of uh, he's getting a back a back injury. But he's he Johnny Morris, most competitive journalist. Obviously, a football player too. But as a journalist, he would do go through any means to get a story, and he would. His job was to beat everybody else, and he, he hung in there. And, he, and if you went out and didn't bring back the go- goods with him, he'd get on your case. If you, missed, if you went to Bears practice and Fridge Perry was you know, dancing around and grabbing a goalpost and you didn't have the shot, the right. B-roll shot, he said, where were you? <laughs> you better get your button gear. But he, he, he'd cuss you out. But yeah. then two hours later, he'd, for, he'd forget about it. And he, if you shake your hand, ah, you know, next time. Yeah. And, and if, if somebody from the news department – would would get on your case, not his department, and give you stuff, you know, some slack about uh, something. He get on their case. Leave my guy alone. That's the kind of guy he was. He was a loyal, good, hard worker. Yeah, if you're listening to this, do yourself a favor and check out that clip on YouTube of Ditka I, I and know, Johnny I, Morris. I, I, it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, yeah. He would. One time, Johnny was. They were. They were. He was in spring training, and they tried. <laughs> there was a. There was been a player interview, and the player didn't show up, so they had two chairs sitting down there. And uh, they were arguing about the player didn't show up. And Johnny said, "I'm not going on." And the the, the guy in the station back in, in Chicago said, "You're going on. Just 
say something. There's a lot going on. So they, he was sitting there. He got up right before the shot. So the, the guy, let's go to Johnny Morris out in Arizona. They were a shot of two chairs. <laughs> Empty chairs. <laughs> I'm not going. That out. is definitely though the the glory days of local television, and and you guys were phenomenal, was, and to be a part of that, and it was a, it was a phenomenal era. And I four years with Johnny and and, and Don, Dan Rowe now, I could not ask for a better career. And, and I you know it's 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 in a way it's sad to to see it go, but I think my whole objective is not to get some traveling. Uh, my wife is sitting here. She's we're going to travel all over the place, and you can't do it in this business. You cannot do a, a month in Europe. Let's yeah. face it. You you can't get the time off. Uh, it's too, it's too and especially where things are shaped now. So I have to I have to I, I have to take the time off. Travel. I want to get my golf game going. I want to take up an instrument. I want to do more Spanish classes. I want to just branch out. And I may Rich, another, calm down a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I instrument and foreign language. Yeah, I'm gonna do all. Just focus things. on one. All right. What all right. language? Spanish. Spanish. I want you to know. And Spanish. what instrument? A banjo. Banjo. Yeah. Well, that shouldn't be hard. I had a group in college which folded after three. People in West Virginia can play the banjo. You should be yeah. able to master that. Well, I can strum it. I don't think I can pick it. You know? <laughs> You'll be able to. <laughs> you think so? think yeah, so. yeah. When you go to Europe, they're gonna love that you brought a banjo. They're gonna be like, "Oh, we love Americans. You brought a banjo. Look at all the culture he's bringing us." April bought me that banjo <laughs> five years ago. I, I've picked it up like three times. I mean, I can I can't get into it. But now that I, don't, I have the time, so yeah. No excuses. Well, that's uh, good. I hope to retire one day and pick up the banjo myself. Well, that's you know what? <laughs> Don't hasten it because, you, yeah, you, uh, you got a long way to go. Enjoy right. it. But 48 years, Rich, and you're going out at the right time, and you're going out um, in shape. You look fantastic. Enjoy your travels. All right. Enjoy the horses. I'll be out of I'd say right. enjoy Indiana, but... <laughs> No, Indiana is great. I love it so far. They don't have. It's been three weeks, but I love it so far. Yeah. All right. Well. Well. Good luck to you. And uh, I know the White Sox uh, and and you have had a great relationship over the years. I know they have so much respect for you, and and I really appreciate you sitting down with me. And uh, really, I wish you all the best. Well, it's a great organization headed by a great man. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Oh, Jerry, Jerry, right. All right, congratulations. I've seen your act. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Rich King, everyone. Thanks, Rich. All right, well, that was Rich King. And before Rich was Gene Honda, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed talking with those guys. Um, it was pretty fun that Brooks Boyer just dropped in. I didn't tell you guys up top, want to be a little surprise for you. But how funny was that? Brooks was walking by, heard Gene reading those ridiculous things that we wrote for him, and uh, he just stepped in. And I think Brooks will be a great future guest. Uh, We'd love to sit down and talk to him about some of the things they got going on here. He's been with the team for 12 years now. I'm sure he's got some good stories. Um, All right. Well, that's it. That was fun. Gene Honda, Rich King, we got some great guests coming up. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you email us. Let's interact. The cycle at shysocks.com. Don't forget to check out Rich King's last broadcast. That's June 23rd. Get to whitesocks.com. Get yourself some tickets. Come out some games, as I mentioned. I was at that game the other night, the Friday night, Tim Anderson debut. Brought a bunch of my buddies. We were actually in a box, and you should have seen these dudes tackle the dessert cart. I've never been more embarrassed in my life. Felt like I was out with like the real housewives of uh, Cook County. Just really devastated by their behavior. And it really, um, you know, when you turn 40, you look start to look for signs. Like, am I really getting old? Yes, you are. When your buddies are that excited to get dessert. 
I'd like thought we were out to drink and watch a game. Have you know, I was at home by, home by ten, and all my friends ate carrot cake. So that's how great my life is. All right, that's it for me. Uh, shout out to Jim Flanning and Kevin Bozeman. I just uh, nailed a great episode without your help. Thanks for listening to the cycle. Bye.